A beard and goatee with Hudson interning on the Thursday show with Tad and Gary. Hey everybody, I'm Tad. I'm Gary. This is the Thursday show. That would have been a, with that would have been great with Hudson to come in. Yeah, should we just let's try it again? Should Hudson we try wasn't it again? ready. He wasn't ready. I wasn't okay. ready. ready. You he know what? Ready. We'll just cut this and we'll just restart it. Oh, most definitely. No, we're not. No, we're, we're not, not cutting it'll, this. It'll definitely be here. All, All right, right, let's try it again. Ready? Hey everybody, I'm Tad. I'm Hudson. Oh. <laughs> All right, one more time. One more time. One more time. Come on, give Did me another just, chance. You act like you just rushed in here, like you had no preparation, like you just. You came in the parking lot on two wheels. Of, of course ran not. Ran into though. this room. Of course not. Just sat down as we were recording. Like we were already recording, and you just kind of slid your chair over. Right. You act like that's what happened. Here. I, like I you did act done like that. Before. That's it. But it's all. Crazy. It's an act. It's, it's an act. A, it's an act. We're okay. You, you um, ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You're Gary. I'm ready. You're Gary. You're Gary. No, no I'm Gary. <laughs> you got it. Got it. Okay. Ready? Hey everyone, I'm Tad. I'm Gary with Hudson. On the Thursday show. Oh, there we go. There I we go. I was nervous. I thought he had dropped it. I thought we might do it again, and I, didn't, I wasn't going to do it again. Yeah. I didn't want to do it again. Um, well, speaking of doing stuff again, you know what I wish we'd do again? What? I wish America would make things. We used to make things. Do we right? not? We used to. Do we not make things anymore? I don't anymore? think we make things anymore. Uh, Have you been TV shopping lately? Did we if ever you, make TVs? Did the U.S. Have, ever make TVs? I'm. I'm sure. Did we, we? Didn't we Hudson? make everything? I have no clue. Did we make everything? Hudson's too young. They don't even watch TV anymore. They just get it ported When's straight to their time? brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember? Was it was it Google that came out with like the glasses? Oh yeah. Yeah. That thing was solid. I yeah. wanted some. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. What happened to them? I don't know. Did you I, know? No. Did you I, ever see a, anybody with that them? That was my next thought. I never saw. I never anybody. saw a single. Did you? Did you? I never know? saw anybody. Do you, Did know, you know what about that is? this? I I do know what you're talking about. What was it? Uh, Google Spectacles. It, okay. Oh, yeah. It was basically a. I was gonna say a smartwatch for your eyes. I don't know <laughs> if that's the. Is that what it is? I, smart I watch <laughs> for your eyes. The, you could just say they're smart glasses. Like that's. You didn't want to use that. I term? don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Committed to either term. I mean, honestly. you just said you want America uh, to make things again. Well, I like, do. We don't because make when anything. you look when you look at TVs, it all says built-in antenna. Do you even know what antenna is? Where is, is there antenna? a built-in antenna in new TVs? Isn't there? I don't think so. There's not. Are you saying it's it's a it's a built-in antenna? No. Not it's. Built-in antenna. No, it's not built-in antenna. This is a terrible joke that I'm trying <laughs> to to gloss over and not even acknowledge the fact that it could be considered a joke. That like it was a joke though. That's what I'm trying. It, it was. I'm a joke. trying my best to erase that from people's memories. Well, that's the worst joke ever. It, it's that's one it? of your bad ones. Okay, good. I don't. I don't think it's. That's really interesting. How do you? How like do you don't we even rate get them? a boo? You don't even get a boo on that one. Is like it, you don't even get a. What is my? There's no side. It's like let's just keep talking. What let's is act my, like it never happened. What do you think my goal is though? What should be the goal? Is the goal to have the worst of them? I, is in, in other words, I'm asking: Is the worst the joke is? Does is that the best help for us this segment? Or, help us. or am I trying for funny? What What's the deal? Well. You seem to be going for that genre of jokes that they make sense, but nobody wants them to make sense. Like, they're just so stupid that you sort of have to laugh to get rid of the awkwardness yeah. that the joke created, but it's not really funny. It's just 
It's just awkward. Yeah. Okay. So the so joke we that... had today wasn't even awkward. It was just... I didn't, I didn't even get that he was making a joke until you pointed it out, Ted. <laughs> See, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. I was just really confused what he was trying to say. I, that's I mean, great. That's normal, that's normal life. So did, does that mean it, it wasn't that awkward because you didn't even know Oh, it was. Oh, it was awkward. I just didn't get okay. that it was supposed to be a joke. All right. Well, that's... My question is, uh, is it... The more awkward, the better. No. Is this a, a situation where... I think where your, your goal should be for us to at least pause. Okay. And we didn't pause. Well, yeah, you could have, though, because you knew. I, I did, but it was terrible. I, I, didn't want, I didn't want to admit okay. the fact. I didn't want to give you credit on that one. So it, it's it's bad in a bad way, not it's bad in a good exactly. way. Exactly. That's that's what I needed to know. Yep. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it, though. I so, enjoyed the experience. So we're going to have a... Uh, so today we've got Pastor Chris with us, and Hudson, of course, is with us, and we're going to talk a little bit about sermon prep. Um, so I think it'll be it's going to be a, it's going to be a good day. Yeah, it's it's a good show to be prepared for. It is because that's what we're talking about is yeah. preparation. So here's a so so are we jumping right in? I guess we're jumping right in. So we're here with Pastor Chris and Hudson, and uh, today we're going to try to talk about the what it means to. Prepare a sermon. How do you pick what you're going to get? How do you plan out what you're going to do throughout the year? I think it's something that some people just don't think through. I think some people think you just open up the Bible, Chris, and you just you just whatever it lands, that's where you that's where you preach. Is that is that accurate? Is that how I, it I've happens? heard that comment? I've also heard the comment from folks that you know we as preachers only work one day a week because we stand up and we talk for part of that day and uh preaching is much more intense than just the 30 minutes or 40 minutes of sermon delivery on a on a given sunday morning worship service or wednesday in our context service so yeah um so let's let's go with the how do you figure out what you're going to preach let's let's start there i mean i joke and said you open the bible and unfortunately i think pastor chris you could also agree you know people that kind of do that um, don't know if I would say they're the best preachers or the best concept, and it, the Holy Spirit can definitely work there, but that's not what you do. Well, if if God can work spur of the moment, He can also work through planning mm. and preparation. And I learned in classes when I was in Bible college and undergraduate school and uh, and also seminary, the benefit of planning out, planning sermon series ahead of time. And so... For us, what I, or for what, what, what I try to do at Wilkesboro Baptist is at least plan the next series, have that laid out from a month out to about two to three months out. And I pray through that. We talk about it often as a staff, not all the time, but as a staff, where do we need to be, where, what's coming up. Uh, for example, last year in thinking about the tensions of the pandemic and the tension of politics, fit really nicely to work through Jeremiah's prophecies. It fit what we were dealing with within Christianity, with our country, the tensions of the pandemic. And so try to pray through that and seek God's direction. But once I kind of land on where we're going to be, then I spend some time thinking about how those sermons are going to lay out for the next couple of months. Okay. You got any questions, Hudson? You going to comment on this so they know that you're here? I mean, I'll I'll come up with some questions. I'm I'm thinking through that. Okay, um, so when you so you landed, you went through First Peter. So what got you through Peter, and then now Proverbs? Where did how did you land on those books specifically? Yeah, one of the things that I try to do is 
we're told in Acts 20 that Paul says we're to preach the whole counsel of God. So while in every sermon there's no chance that we could say everything that God wants to say about life and the gospel and our relationship with Jesus, we do have 66 books and we do have various viewpoints within Scripture that point to the gospel and our interaction as a response to the gospel and living out the gospel. And so I, I don't always go back and forth between Old and New Testament but I like to make sure that there's a pretty consistent pattern of looking at what does the New Testament say, say a letter, so that's an epistle from Peter to a specific congregation or group of congregations. And so being an epistle then naturally translates, okay, how can we look at Scripture through the viewpoint of the Old Testament or the gospel through the viewpoint of the Old Testament, the wisdom literature of Proverbs, for example. And so they don't necessarily go together, but that's kind of the point within Scripture we need to see things from all of those lenses, the worship lens of Psalms, the church lens of Acts, the gospel of who Jesus is and what he taught us. And so I try to give a variety through the course of a year or two to three years, being Old Testament, New Testament, uh, back and forth, so that we as a, as a congregation will get a good sense of what God wants to say to us through all of Scripture. Okay. So give us... Now you... Hudson's in school now. Um, yes. Part of your training is um, you'll have to take a class on preaching, but uh, mm -hmm. what's the what's the fancy word for that? Homiletics. Homiletics. So in uh, in Bible college, Fruitland Baptist Bible College years ago, the tagline there was where preaching is our passion. I started there in 99, and one of the things they taught you is homiletics. That's the art of sermon structure and sermon delivery. So the outline and the introduction and learning to deliver the sermon. The other fancy term for scriptural study is hermeneutics, which is the art of scriptural interpretation or the art and science of interpretation. And so what you hear when Hudson will preach in a couple of weeks or when Tad preaches or when I preach, what you hear as a congregation is an outline. And then we build a message around that framework of the outline that in in the best cases comes directly from the text. That's what you hear. But prior to that, we have to make sure that we're saying what Scripture says. Outlining a passage of Scripture and delivering it is easier to do than interpreting the passage and making sure you're saying what God has already said. That's where the preparation part of sermon uh, of sermon delivery comes from is making sure that you've interpreted the passage correctly. And so for me, I spend some time thinking about the text, praying through the text, reading ahead, meditating on it, and then uh, connecting it with commentaries. For example, in the Proverbs series, I have four specific commentaries I'm reading through. So I'll work through passages, land on a text that, that I think fits the theme of where we're headed next, think through that, and then read, around, read in that commentary around those passages of Scripture. That helps me make sure that it's a, that I, I'm in a, uh, I, I think of commentaries like guardrails. So when you're interpreting Scripture, if you're not careful, we can interpret it simply through our contemporary lens. I read it through my 21st century eyes when it wasn't written in the 21st century. Proverbs was written 3,000 years ago to a group of very different people in a context that's not like our context. So the uh, commentaries help us make sure we're within the framework uh, 
of an interpretive message that is true to Scripture. In other words, I'm not reading my ideas back into the text. I'm making sure I'm hearing what God says, what he intended to say, because if we don't get at what God intended to say, we'll never really say to our congregation truthfully what God wants us to hear. Uh, a text means what a text meant. It applies differently maybe in our context than it did in Proverbs, but it doesn't ever get new meaning in contemporary experience. We have to figure out what that was 3,000 years ago in the case of Proverbs or 2,000 years ago in the case of 1 Peter, and the commentaries kind of provide a frame of reference to make sure that we're in a guardrail there. Hudson, what's your favorite commentary? Um, I like John Calvin's. I think I think he he he's quite thorough, and I appreciate uh, his. It's on a pastoral level; it's not very scholarly, so I appreciate uh, the way he writes it. It just helps me to understand the text more deeply, but without it being really complicated to parse through what he's saying. Let me ask a follow-up question to both you guys while we're sitting here. So, you both, and, and myself included, have had language studies. You had to do you had to do Greek and Hebrew, right, mm-hmm. Tad? Yes, I did. And Hudson, you're doing Greek right now, or I will I will be soon. We'll be doing Greek and Hebrew. The Bible is written in different languages mm-hmm. than what we read today. It's in, translated into English language. Uh, Tad, tell us the value of at least being able to grasp the Bible in its original languages. Why is that important? Well, it, for Hebrew, for instance, one of the things that I, I, I am drawn to more of the Hebrew language, I liked it better in school, in school, but one of the things that really floored me from the get-go is the original Hebrew does not have vowels. It was all consonants. So, and most of it is, it's three letters if you, you know, transliterate to an English kind of level. And so, you have to kind of work through that where you have three consonants or you know, four consonants, or you have a letter, you have a word of full consonants, and you're, as a scholar, having to go back and try to figure out what the vowels were. And that can actually change the way a word could be interpreted. Now, for instance, if you just have PP, right, the two consonants of PP, it could be pup, pop, pep, you know, pip, all of that could be different. And so having to really look through and see that one little letter could change the word. And even in Hebrew, the, the two letters shin and sin, yep. they have a dot over, it depends on where the dot is, over the W, it looks like a W, the symbol looks like a W, but it could be shin or it could be sin. So once again, if you had those letters, you're looking at, is he talking about a shin or is he talking about the sin of the person's life? You know, you kind of laugh and think through, but for me, it made me really look, like you said earlier, we're reading it, in the 21st century right now, but it was written back then. So letting the scholars know what the context was, what's the historical yeah. background can help you interpret it better. And some are better than and others. I mean, that's why we have so many translations of the Bible mm-hmm. um, based on new studies, new archaeological evidence, things like that. And even in Greek, you know, Greek, you have multiple tenses and you have multiple ways and the words can mean something else. I'll never forget this word, os. It's your Greek word. There you go, Hudson. That was free of charge. Os. It means Oops. at, that, how, or about. 
that's what that one word can mean. Depending on the context. Depending on the context, yeah. depending on the sentence, depending on if it's a letter, is it wisdom literature? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think a lot of people don't really take that into account. You don't think through that as the normal church goer, I would imagine. Um, you know, have you learned about criticisms yet? Different criticisms of interpretation? No. You I have don't. literary criticism. Oh, yes, yes. Historical criticism. Yes. Higher criticism. Yeah. And, and what that source is, criticism. source criticism, and you're looking through how you're looking at the Bible, and that's that hermeneutics part. But you need hermeneutics to have homiletics. Did you get that? That's, you that's get your that? tagline. That's what okay. I want you to work this year. You yes. need hermeneutics to have homiletics. Right. Good so, interpretation so that you can put together a structure to deliver right. uh, God's Word to an audience or a congregation. So it's important to kind of look back at that. That's why you, I asked Hudson his favorite, and of course he went with John Calvin. Mine is the word biblical commentary um, because it goes to the the actual, it's more of the word sense, hence word biblical commentary. Mm-hmm. It's looking at all of the words going to the Greek, to the Hebrew, to, in, to the context of trying to figure out, because that's probably my weakness of, of where my strengths do not lie in the literary works. I've never been strong in English, was never my strong subject in school. It's because you're from South Carolina. That's fine. I mean, that's okay. In South Carolina, we can, we, we can count how many college championships we have in the state of South Carolina, unlike North Carolina can. But that's okay. You're, in football. Depending on your sport. In football. In football. If you're talking about that's women's the truth, soccer. That's the only sport. If you're talking about women's soccer, I mean, Zoe Sessi would not say – Football is the only sport, and UNC, man. But, they, I mean, they it's the moneymaker. It College football is the moneymaker. That's where the money Sorry, lies. I dissed on your state. I apologize <laughs> it's fine. for that. But, it, but, yeah, so for me, English was never really a strong one. So And even languages in general, um, I struggle with them. So I wanted to go with a commentary that's going to help me. And that yeah. way, like you said, I like the term guardrail. And I would say, Hudson, that's something to, to keep in mind mm-hmm. as you're preparing is sometimes we can get caught up in – Looking at a commentary before scripture, yeah. and we ended up we end up preaching the commentary mm-hmm. and not the scripture. One of my professors used to put it this way: He said, "Dr. Kenneth Ridings, preaching professor at Fruitland Baptist Bible College, mentor, friend, godly, godly man." He used to say, "Commentaries are just commentators, hmm. meaning that it's one person's interpretive work in the text." sharing their thoughts about what the text says. Mm-hmm. So they're interpreting it for us. The benefit of the best ones is they, that they get down into either the historical context or the grammatical context mm-hmm. of the word and help us make sense of maybe interpretive challenges. For example, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, a text I preached just a couple of weeks ago, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's the King James version of the first phrase there. We read vision from a 21st century lens, leadership, mm-hmm. you know, casting a vision of the congregation. So if you don't have vision, the congregation dies. Well, that's not what the text is talking about at all, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. The, the grammatical structure of the words helps us understand he's talking about more the sense of biblical revelation, mm-hmm. what a prophet would say, what the Torah or the old the, mm-hmm. the first five books of the Bible would say, where those are not present in the life of a group of people, whether that's a nation, a church, or a congregation, the people run wild, they run loose. And that word is drawn back to Exodus 32, where the, the, the people of Israel messed up and, and, and flooded into idolatry. 
But unless we get down into the text, Mm -hmm. the actual Hebrew words, or get down into a commentary that can draw us into the text, then what we have a tendency to do is then read a verse of Scripture only from our lens. And I think that the greatest challenge, and really in some ways the greatest blessing of being a preacher, is to have the honor of looking at Scripture and trying to interpret it as it was originally intended and getting it right and helping people grasp what it was that God wanted his people to hear several thousand years ago and how that fits into what we hear today. So one question I've always, I've had people ask me before is like, you know, why use commentaries? Why use other people's? Why don't you just get up and read, read the God's word? That's what Ezra did when they dedicated the wall. The first sermon, you know, that we see in the old Testament, Ezra just stands up and he starts preaching. And I've had people ask me, why don't you just do that? Because there are some denominations, some traditions that that's what they do. They get up and they read scripture and then that's all you do. So Hudson, why don't you think why don't you think that would be what we should do? Well, I mean, it certainly is an acceptable thing to do. There's nothing wrong with reading God's word. I, I don't think we could criticize that. But that diminishes the the value that you can get from uh, addressing other people's thoughts on the passage. Uh, you know, the, the book of Proverbs even talks about how there's there's wisdom in, in a multitude of counselors. And that's, of course, for a different context. But the, the principle still applies that when you have one person reading a text, they're much more likely to make a mistake in interpretation than if you have one person reading a text and then four other people reading the text and they've written something about it to explain how they interpret it. So one, it, it is that guardrail. It keeps you safer to have more people commenting on it because then you'll have more perspectives and you're less likely to interpret something according to your bias or uh, according to your preference. And also, no single person can be an expert on every part of the Bible. Usually commentaries are written by people who know more about that particular book because they've studied that book a lot. Whereas a preacher can't afford to be an expert only on the book of Romans or only on the book of Nehemiah because uh, a pastor has to give more of the word of God than just one book. So, And you, you're saying that all the pastor just doesn't sit around and read the Bible all the time and just prepare a sermon? Is that not, is that not what happens? Has that not been your experience here as an intern? We just, no. we just don't sit around and we all just read the Bible all the time? We have other things we have to do? Yeah. Oh, wow. But even Ezra, uh, Ezra 7.10, for Ezra set his heart to study the law of the mm. Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. So even when Ezra was standing to read the scripture, it was based out of personal study and an application and a mm-hmm. commitment to application yeah. of scripture. Not not merely a, hey, let's read it and walk away with, hey, we just heard the word of God, but let's read it, let's apply it. Let's, let's see how it makes sense in, in our daily living. Um, I think the congregation just thought Ezra was long-winded and didn't want him to just wanted, if he read, stuck to Scripture and just read Scripture, they would be out in 25 minutes. At least you said Ezra was the one that was I, long-winded. I did, I did say Ezra. I, I did not say any other names. Right, right, Hudson? There were no other names I'm mentioned. I'm going to put you on the spot, Tad. Do you think <laughs> I am long-winded? I think at times you can be, Pastor Chris. I mean, what's the, what's, I, what's the ideal time for a sermon? In terms of the structure that we have, the time frame we have, it's about 35 minutes, 30 yeah. to 35 minutes. Have you, Sometimes have you preached over 35 so, minutes? I have preached longer than 35 <laughs> minutes. 
Uh, like this past Sunday? Yeah, I was a little longer than 35 minutes. It's hard to cut stuff. <laughs> I was talking with Hudson about this, though, just a minute ago before we started our interview. I, I knew we were going to deal with this, the subject of uh, a difficult subject, the subject of adultery and human sexuality. And in the course of, of preparation for this year, this calendar year in preaching, it's probably the only time I'm going to deal with the subject of sex, at least as the target subject of a text. So there's the temptation to try to say more than maybe I, I, I need to say in that one sermon time because I know it's probably the only time I'm going to be there. Uh, and, yeah, sometimes I get conversational and relaxed and, and, and go a little longer, but I'm not the only one to have exceeded <laughs> the 40-minute mark since I've been pastor here, no. am I, Tad? No, you're not. No, you're not. Gary definitely has. Um, I went long last time, but I think that's a challenge for me you know, I get to preach maybe three times a year, and I want to make the best of that opportunity. So I have to really, in my preparation, I have to really keep that in mind because I can get caught up in trying to get everything I want to say. This is, you know, and and this would be my advice to you, Hudson, as you're preparing to preach. Mm. It's not the only time they're going to hear you. Like, this is not your only opportunity nobody's going to judge you just on this moment. If you mess up, you mess up. Mm -hmm. Um, I am fortunate enough now that Pastor Chris lets me preach multiple times. I mean, I've been a part of churches where I get once a year and, and that's, that's, that is pressure. But for, for you, you got to think there's going to be other opportunities. This isn't your one and only, this is just one of many is kind of how I've started thinking through it. And if you don't get Mm -hmm. it all in, you don't get it all in. You can always Mm -hmm. come back and um, I think uh, before we started recording, Pastor Chris, he made a good observation. And the reason we kind of, you go a little bit longer, when, the, when a group is engaged with you, it's a lot, because e- you want to keep feeding them. You mm-hmm. want to keep going. And, and I think that's another challenge you get into. And you don't want to cut anything out, cause you, but you've spent too much time on this point. And it's, your mind is racing. Yeah, I mean it's constantly going, and it's because you're yeah. you're looking at time, and especially with our schedule, you've got <laughs> you ha- we have a short turnaround, very short turnaround, and and it's hard to to cut things on the spot. Yeah. Um, do you find yourself, Pastor Chris, if you've underprepared, you'll talk more or less? Um, if where I get in trouble, I, I don't know that I underprepare as much as I used to. I think I've done, I know I've done that before. I think for me now, I've got a pretty good sense of how many pages in a manuscript I write for about how long the sermon needs to be. So I, that's not the bigger issue. The bigger issue for me is when I go off script. Mm. My wife would say, when you go off cuff, uh, off the cuff, that's when you have a tendency to, to slide into a comment that's unclear or slide into a joke that really doesn't doesn't help matters, um, but yeah, if you under prepare, it, it's you have a tendency to go long. I used to do that a lot. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Tad, is uh, well, let me comment on something and then ask you a question. One of the things that I value, and I get to preach about forty eight times a year or something like that. Uh, it used to be a few less based on the way we would do certain events during the year, but pandemic really shifted our preaching schedule and church schedule around a lot in some ways i think it may be beneficial but uh i think it's important that the church hear from more voices than me Mm. 
And one of the reasons I value you getting to preach or Gary getting to preach or in a couple of weeks us having some others preach in the course of our four week, four Sunday, four worship services in a week is because we need to hear from others. I need to hear from others. Uh, but I have a little different challenge preaching through a series than maybe you guys do preaching one sermon that's isolated from, you know, from another sermon by four months or six months or however long it is in between preaching. So give us a little insight into how you prepare one sermon that you're going to preach one week kind of isolated from a series. Okay. I'll answer, then I'll let Gary answer, because I'm sure his answer is going to be different. And then I'm curious to see how Hudson, who, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, hot take, Hudson will be preaching in a couple Spoiler, of weeks. and a hot take. Yeah, it is. Yep. Um, so, I, and he's gonna he'll reveal his scripture passage because he's picked it. Yeah. So, I'm oh, curious boy. to see how he landed there. But the big reveal. It is. I mean, hot wow. take. Um, so, for me, I try to, and I probably do. I'm probably more analytical than I should be, but I try to figure out what is the most cohesive movement in the in the calendar so a lot of times it's after pastor chris finishes a sermon so it's okay what are we doing next i'm trying to think about what how can we transition how can Mm -hmm. i be a transition piece for whatever it is so that thinking back i'm a context person i recently learned that that's one of my strongest strengths so looking at the context of where we've been and then where we're going i'm trying to i'll ask god okay show me what needs to be said during this time i know uh, coming up, preaching, you're, we're kind of in the middle of Proverbs, um, and we're all going to be kind of, it's a shift in, in schedule a little bit, so you're, you're, you're going on vacation, which is allowing us to, to, to preach, and so, but you're going to come back to Proverbs. So now it's, what is something that would be a good break, a good transition, a good encouraging word in the middle? And so that's kind of what, how I think about it, um, where it focus, and, and just how it can be a good transition. What about you, Gary? Um, I, I also, and maybe I'm too analytical, but I also try to think about what has, has been, um, what Chris has been preaching, um, where have we been? And, uh, if I have some insight in where we might be going, um, I, I want to compliment that if, if I can, mm-hmm. um, and, or something, maybe some passages maybe been, um, uh, something I've been sitting with and something God has led me to an interpretation that um, could be shared. Right. Um, I also really try to stay in a, in a passage, even though it's not, even though our position is not necessarily that we're carrying on uh, expositing through a, a letter or through a, a book of the Bible. Um, I, I still want to be, uh, I, I want the message to be fairly well contained in that passage uh, rather than trying to pull from across scripture to to preach on a topic, um, even if there is a topic that's prevalent, um, so that means often, uh, and this may be true for you as well. It, it has to be true because you're a context guy. Um, it, you've got to you've got to know what the the passage you're preaching from said. You got to know where mm-hmm. it is, what what was before and what was after. Whether it's a story, whether it's a sermon on the mount, where has Jesus been? Where is he going? Mm-hmm. Why is he preaching this now? Right. Um, you want to answer those questions, even if it's narrative. What what led to the narrative? What's going to happen after the narrative? Where where does it fit within the context of of its book and the whole of scripture? Um, 
and how much of that is relevant to the audience. Just right. uh, how much do you, Tad, I'm just going to bounce back to you. How much do you feel like you learn that you don't share? Oh, I learned too much. Um, I think part of my problem is I can research too much. Um, and then I can try to get it all in and tell everybody what I know about a particular passage. And right. at some point I have to like stop myself. Like I've had to give myself deadlines. Like I'm only going to research on these days. I have to start writing it by this day. And, and that's helped me because I've had, I've had like four pages of notes on a passage before right. and start writing it and be gone. I, I'm like a rabbit. I'm going down all these rabbit trails. I mean, it's it's crazy. So I, I would guess that the four of us here agree that we want to communicate what the text says, right? Right. And yeah. uh, duh, in one sense, but also not. That's not necessarily the only approach to sermon yeah. prep and 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 preaching. Yeah. Um, but in order to know what the text says, we have to know what the text says. We have, oh, we man. have to read it. We that inside. All right, Hudson. Classic. How did you pick your passage? What passage are you going to be preaching on? Go ahead and tell them. And then how did you land there? So I chose Psalm 57. Uh, I considered several psalms, uh, but that's the one I ended up choosing. Uh, I wanted to do a psalm because I just love its focus on worship. It really gives us both grand ideas about Scripture and knowledge about God, but then it, it, it tells us how to apply that on a really personal, direct level, how do we uh, posture our hearts towards God? How do we respond to how he has treated us and who he is? But I did consider several passages. I, I, was, I thought about several from the epistles, uh, but I ended up going with the psalm, one, because it doesn't have necessarily a context I would have to explain and have in mind. So it would... It, it was a little bit easier just to go with a psalm because it's this one's 11 verses. It doesn't have anything coming before it in terms of uh, necessary information because it stands by itself as a praise song uh, or a prayer that the Israelite people would have used. Good. But, oh, go ahead, you, Gary. Well, Hudson, you brought something up, um, it, whether you meant to or not, uh, that there are different types of biblical literature uh, that in and of themselves communicate mm-hmm. unique messages. And I, I was wondering, and I'd like to kick it over to Pastor Chris, uh, oh, yeah. at least first. Yes. Um, is there a type of biblical literature you... Um, is, is there a favorite type? Is there an easier easier type to prep for? Um, it, you know, are the epistles, does, does that, do they lay it out clearer for points? Do you like preaching narratives because you want to tell the story? Uh, uh, you're in wisdom literature now. I think they all come with different challenges. I think that's that's the thing about the different types of literature. You know, stories, we did Welcome to the Story series back last year. That was yeah, really fun. But because they're isolated, we, we picked isolated stories, not isolated from the text, but unique stories. The sermon prep was harder because that's having to look in different commentaries different weeks. When you're in a, a, a verse-by-verse or expositional-type preaching, regardless of the genre, you have the benefit of kind of staying in the same maybe commentary or the same type of study through that, through that series. Epistles are easier to, uh, to outline 
because the arguments are direct and clear and often uh, more, I hesitate to use the word more rational, but in the sense of Paul's making an argument. He's got a plan going through Ephesians or Romans or Peter had a plan going through First Peter. So there are themes that are intentionally laid out through through that particular genre. The Gospels are, you know, story and teaching narratives that are kind of, on one sense, they look like they're randomly, they're not, they're not randomly, but it, it's harder to see the structure in that genre. And then wisdom literature, you know, there, there's a theme to Proverbs 1 through 9, and then Proverbs 10 through 31, it's like, you know, completely isolated, proverbial wisdom sayings. So it's harder to, in that sense, to maybe draw outlines sometimes from those places. But I think they all present their unique challenges, and I think it's healthy for us to see that because God doesn't just speak through story or speak through epistle or speak through law or speak through wisdom. He speaks through it all. And that, that I think, tells us the, the greatness of God who wants to talk to us, who some of us may read and like, man, we love it when God just says, do this, don't do that. That makes it really simple for me. But then God, in other areas of Scripture, speaks through Psalms, you know, where, where David's emotional and angry and frustrated and burdened, and he prays, and he praises, and he wrestles with things that, that you're just not going to— Moses isn't going to open up to that in, in, in Genesis mm-hmm. or, in, or in Leviticus, but David does in the Psalms. And I think that speaks to the variety with which God wants us to know him and the recognition that God knows us uniquely individually and helps us interact with him in a very personal way from the from the lens of scripture and scriptural genres that's well thank thank you for that i think that's a great way to end it right there because i mean that that's a good word that was a good word and he didn't he didn't prepare for that sermon no that was that was a good which the the potential there was for him to run long but that was actually pretty pretty well buttoned up it really it really was yeah it was well thank you pastor frisk pastor frisk pastor Pastor frisk Pastor Chris, thank you for yeah, coming. Yeah, let us and know if you that. see Pastor Chris. We'll, <laughs> but, um, but make sure yeah, you, as you can hear, it is tough preaching, preparing, so be praying for us um, as we all are preparing to deliver. I know they wanted to close up, but let me tell you what's oh. going to happen over the next couple of weeks. So I do get the chance to go away on vacation, and because of our worship schedule, uh, we're going to let several of our, our staff members and some of the guys God sent to us preach over the next couple of weeks. Tad and Josh Pinkerton are going to preach the week of the 25th, so Tad's going to do most of the preaching duties, and Josh will preach a sermon in that week, and then the week following that, Gary will preach, and Hudson will join him, and uh, Sean DeBose will join him and preach one sermon, and the benefit of that for these guys is they get a chance to preach in a really, really good church. I mean, we're they're a great church to preach to, to respond to. You guys are wonderful as listeners and responders to Scripture. But we're going to get a chance to interact with Hudson and Sean and Josh on their sermons and help them learn. So uh, pay attention to your beacon about when those sermons will be, who will be preaching when. If you'd like to come hear them, cheer them on, or, uh, you know, pray for them. Definitely pray for them. Pray for us as we prepare and communicate. But I'm really excited to hear these guys communicate and, and help them learn and learn from them. Yeah, so definitely So join us whenever you can. We'll be here on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9.30, right. or 11 
Um, so you can join us in person or Wednesday nights at 6. Right. You can do that. Uh, but if you're not feeling well or if you're on vacation and you want to check it out, uh, where, can they, where can they do that? Well, uh, you can go Facebook, YouTube, or Vimeo at 11 on Sunday morning. And then after that, it yeah. stays, it's, it's evergreen. And, and sometimes Facebook goes crazy. And That's we right. Get, we, sometimes we do replays. They, sometimes we they do it change, at 11. Sometimes they change everything. Yes. Uh, so you guys did a great job uh, this week, uh, this past Sunday, of following communication. I think a lot of people jumped over to YouTube when uh, I posted that, uh, there may be problems with it on Facebook. Of course, there weren't. Problems there were not problems on Facebook. On Facebook, it was so, good, uh, and it played twice on Facebook. It did, and both of them got engagement. So, oh. um, if if I've learned anything from that, it's that we should just post it multiple times. Okay. Uh, but you can generally count on it on at least one, if not all three, of the platforms at eleven, uh, and and it's it's a great space. Good. If you're gonna if you're gonna enjoy from home or. Okay. Away. Well, good. We'll join okay. us. Well, we'll see you next time. See you next week? Next week. Next week. Bye, guys.